Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, 49ers faithful? We are back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. Uh, Al is out today, a uh, little bit of rough weather on the East Coast, so uh, he can't make it. But, man, I've got a really great uh, guest host that we haven't had on the show yet, but I, but I have known for a while. I call him my little bro, um, and he is Akash Navarathan from uh, 4th and 9, our friends over at 4th and 9. He is your guest host today. What's up, man? How's it going? Hey, I appreciate you for having me. We, we talk a lot offline, and so I'm very excited to come on and actually talk with you on your podcast. Uh, so excited, man. Yeah, man. Um, you know, you and I have, have developed this friendship over the last few years. Um, you know, we've even met up and kind of hung out and stuff too. And it's been, it's been cool. And I, I'm, I'm sorry it's taking this long to get you on the show, but man, it's, it's awesome to have you on. Fantastic. Yeah. I got big shoes to fill with Al. He's one of my favorites. He's also over at fourth and nine does some stuff for us. So, uh, big shoes to fill today. <laughs> you want, it's funny cause he messaged me. He's like, make sure you guys pit me a little bit cause I'm out. All right. That's all the pimping we for Al, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. All right, so uh, let's get down to business, man. And uh, we got a loss to talk about. Unfortunately, it was not a victory podcast as we like to have here, but the 49ers went down to the Eagles 25 to 20. And uh, it was one of those losses that they should have, it was a game that they should have won. Right now, honestly, I can say that the 49ers should probably be 4 0, if not for poor quarterback play and some questionable, you can say questionable play calling by Shanahan, but mostly poor quarterback play. And that's frustrating because now Seattle's 4 0, the Rams are 3 1. You've immediately fallen behind a division. You've lost a division game. You have lost another conference game. You've lost both games at home. So it's like these were probably the most harmful losses that you could probably have at the beginning of the season for a team that we thought before the, all the injuries would go 4-0 and in this stretch. So the Eagles was one of those games we thought was a soft spot, and Nick Mullins was coming in hot off of that Giants game, and he played really well, and, and we thought that he was going to light it up, and he was the exact opposite of that. Like, What did, what did you see out of him? Yeah, I the I don't have any words to describe this performance. Horrendous, horrible, bad, garbage. Like you know, with when you when you've got a backup quarterback in play, you've got all the injuries that the 49ers have, whether it's with their running backs, their cornerbacks, their um, just wherever they've got injuries, the backup quarterback has less margin for error, right? Um, and the one thing against the Giants that Mullins did so well was that he didn't turn the ball over. They didn't punt. And so they didn't give, you know, the Giants offense any extra opportunities. And so they were able to win by a wide margin and, you know, come into this game against the Eagles. Mullins has interception, you know, early in the game in the red zone, has a bad fumble uh, and then a pick six at the end of the game there. They gave them, what, three extra opportunities there. They punted, I think, four times. And you just can't do that. You know, Carson Wentz hasn't had a good season, but he's still a talented quarterback. Doug Peterson's still a good coach. Um, the Eagles came into that game winless, so you know that they were going to be fighting, especially given their schedule. I think they got the Steelers and then they got the Ravens, uh, I believe. So they were looking at, they were staring at two losses after that. So they knew they had to get this one, especially against a team that was so banged up. And Mullins just couldn't do that. And, you know, he looked shell shocked on the sideline after that pick six. He just, like, he just didn't, like, the moment looked too big for him. And we kind of felt that when he missed the first two throws, he had a slant to Bourne which he missed. And then he had the use check, like leak route, missed that one, like uh, high uh, or he overthrew him, I should say. And it was just too big for him. Bethard came in and Bethard, you know, 
had a lot of, a lot of hollow stats against the prevent defense, but just bad quarterback play in that game, uh, a game that they should have won, a game that they needed to win, especially just given the their schedule. And they dropped the ball, and we're sitting here at 2-2, two and two and, um, yeah, just looking up already at, at the rest of the teams in the NFC West. Yeah, and I want to start with what you mentioned about Mullins at the beginning of the game, and I think that it's so important for a uh, young or inexperienced quarterback at the beginning of the game to – have those rhythm throws that kind of get him in the rhythm. It's almost like in basketball, like we talk about basketball a lot as well. Yeah. It's seeing the ball go through the net, even if your foul yep. is put it up, see it, see it go through the net. It's important for quarterbacks to be able to hit those early passes. And coaches do that. You see that a lot in a lot of games where uh, across, uh, no matter what it is, Super Bowl playoffs, regular season, if it's a young quarterback, a lot of easy layup throws, so you get that yeah. confidence up. And he missed the, like you said, he missed the first throw to Bourne, and that would have been, that would have been picked if Bourne didn't, didn't, didn't get his hand on it. Like he right. goes, he, he missed it high and wide. Yeah, he missed him high and wide. He, he dove. He essentially broke up the pass that would have been an interception. Right. And then right. the use check throw, I mean, to me, that's that's inexcusable. Like, use check was wide open. You're not going to get this. Look, this is the NFL. Windows aren't that big. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So use check was wide open. And I don't know if he would have scored, but that can that can flip field position. That can get you a field goal. That can do right. a, a bunch of stuff that you just, right. you know, would have affected the outcome right. of the game. So when you start like that, it's it's really hard to uh and at that point the offensive line was protecting on that drive for those two plays at least um they were protecting on that drive but when you start like that it, it was kind of a harbinger for things to come because i thought at that mm-hmm. time like oh man i hope that use check play doesn't come back to bite them because they're so injured <laughs> that they're gonna need every single play in their favor and, and then it did end up coming back to bite them yeah you just can't give the other team opportunities like that and uh, they did that right whether it was turnovers whether it was punting the ball whether it was missed opportunities like that use check play like it just can't happen. I don't think he would have scored, even though he had a ton of green grass in front of him. There were a couple defenders out there, and Uzcheck's not like some blow by guy. So I think they would have caught him. But like you said, a couple of throws of Mullins hit suddenly his confidence shifts, um, and you never know. But even after that drive, I thought the second drive looked pretty good, right? They Kyle went right back to his play call, playmakers, excuse me. He hit you know Ayuk a couple times. He hit Debo. He hit Kittle, and they went bang, bang, bang right down the field. And that was the IU curdled touchdown. And then I was like, okay, maybe they're in business. Like maybe Kyle's found something, right? And that was the only drive where I thought they looked good. They just just could never really put put it together. They just never had a uh, rhythm on offense, whether it was like the line, the quarterback play, whatever it was. That there was just no rhythm to the game after that drive. And it cost them ultimately. Yeah. I feel like Kyle kind of saw that Mullins was struggling for a bit and, and took his took the ball out of his hands a little yeah. bit for that that drive that you mentioned with the IU touchdown. And we'll get to Ayuk in a little bit. What what a fantastic touchdown that was. Yeah. Fantastic player, super excited about him. But I think that Kyle senses these things and tends to, to pull back a little bit and yeah. uh, take the ball. He does it with Jimmy too. Like it's not Mullins. Yeah, he does. He does Jimmy too. Did it in the Super Bowl, right? Did it in the playoffs. Right. He quite right. literally will take the ball out of your hands if you can't complete passes. And to me, like I think that, uh, and we will talk about the, the play calling too. But real quickly, like I think that it's almost to a quarterback's detriment because they don't develop that way. Like you're not yeah. going to develop with, I with agree. check down passes. You have to learn right. how to read a defense. You have to take your lumps. And I think that you're limiting a quarterback and handicapping him by making things easier on him in, in, in a certain way. Look, right. there are certain times when you have to make things easier on your quarterback because you don't have anything going. Mm-hmm. And there are other times where it's like, all right, let's just let him play through this and and see what happens. And ultimately, he couldn't do it, and, and Beth came in. But I do want to get your thoughts on the offensive line. Um, <laughs> this is a group that last year, they opened up a lot of holes for the running backs. They were 
decent in pass protection, not great, but they were better in pass protection. They lost Joe Staley, added Trent Williams, as we know. Richburg's out, Garland's in, and you've got Daniel Brunskill starting at guard. Otherwise, the, the line's the same. And, man, have they ever struggled this year. <laughs> they look bad, and they were an average pass-blocking line last year. So I expected a slight improvement, but I just didn't think they were going to get significantly better just given the guys that they have, right? And they have they didn't do you know much to improve the line outside of just Trent Williams for Joe Staley, which I thought was a slight upgrade. But their run blocking has been pathetic through three three games. Uh, my favorite stat is Football Outsiders does this stat called uh, adjusted line yards, which basically takes how many yards a running back gets, and then it kind of weights it based on you know how far they go on the field. So if like they get stuffed in the backfield, it like weights it differently. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers in adjusted line yards, they were eighth last season. They're uh, 31st this season through four weeks. Um, and then the other stat is is the stuff percentage, which basically is a percentage of the time that your running back gets hit before the line of scrimmage. The 49ers are 31st in the league this year. So it's not only their pass blocking, it's their run blocking too. And on first down, they're gaining about a yard less. So what that now does is now you've got second and long, third and long. It's putting an average pass blocking line in a more you know difficult situation than they were uh, previously, which is allowing you know uh, their quarterback to get hit. Through four weeks, they've given up 40 quarterback hits, which is the most in the NFL. They gave up 15 to the Eagles, which was by far the most uh, in week four. Um, and part of that is on the quarterback, right? Mullen's not as mobile, not as athletic. He's not going to evade pass rush, things like that. But yeah, part of it is just, you know, guys getting blown by. And it's not just one guy, right? Like with some offensive lines, you know, like, hey, the left tackle's weak, so we're going to p- put our best pass rusher over him. It's like, you know, this past week, Trent Williams gave two sacks. McGlinchey's getting blown by. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson got blown by a few times. I thought Ben Garland actually played pretty well. And then in previous weeks, it's been like different guys. And it's like on a, a given play, it's like they can't just get all five guys to block properly. And you, you as well as, you know, everyone knows that in football, all 11 guys have to kind of work in sync to get a play working. And they just can't seem to block up front. And a lot of people keep saying that, oh, Jimmy's going to come back. He's going to save the team, whatever. And it's like, okay, is Jimmy going to like have time to throw in front of this line? Like, I think the offensive line is more of a concern than like the quarterback play, which is bad right now. But um, yeah, they got, they got to get that fixed, especially in the run game. Yeah. And uh, was there something to be said about cohesion and being able to play together and without a training camp or minimal training camp this year, no preseason, I feel like it takes time for an offensive line to gel. Like the, the line that they had last year was a line that was together basically for two years before, or like a year and a half before. True. uh, to the Super Bowl because it was the same starters they brought back from the previous season. And with the exception of you know, when Brunskill and school came in and they, they had those spot starts, but to to uh, have them come in this year with Trent Williams and Richburg being out and you really don't know what's going to happen at right guard, they, they needed time to gel. And I just don't think they've gelled yet. And I'm hoping that at some point during the season they will. But really, like we're, we're a quarter of the way through and they're still – the one of the worst offensive lines in the league and by statistically easily yeah easily and it's like um the point you brought up is a good one so even during training camp you know ben garland was out for a majority of it with an ankle sprain right ankle injury whatever so he didn't get any practice time with these guys which meant that dan brunskill had to shift from right guard to center and dan brunskill doesn't naturally play guard he played tackle last season when he had to step in 
Mm-hmm. He only played guard those last two games against the Rams and the Seahawks. And he got worked by Aaron Donald in one of those games. And so, you know, he now didn't get that time during training camp. So he slid back to right guard and Ben Garland comes back week, whatever, week two. Um, and yeah, they just, like you mentioned, they have no cohesion, I think. And it's the Achilles heel of the team right now. Yeah. And I think that this is where Kyle Shanahan has to come in and basically be the ultimate equalizer. Because we look at it, we were like, all right, look at, look at how Kyle Shanahan calls his plays and look at the talent he has as a play designer and a play caller. And we're like, all right, that guy is going to be the difference maker. Like certain people like Seattle, you know, Russell Wilson is the difference maker. Right. New England, Bill Belichick is the difference maker. Tampa Bay is Tom Brady. So it goes on and on with specific teams. With this team here, your coach is a difference maker, your head coach, with the way that he can call plays and dictate the tempo of the game. And I think that now it's going to be up to Kyle Shanahan. Look, you can't scheme past the lack of talent or, or execution. You can scheme right. up whatever you want. Like he schemed up those two throws from Mullins and other throws You're right. before, the, before the fumble. Yeah. He had Bourne wide open on the sideline for a first down. He did. He scheme play, and it was yeah. like an outcut. Bourne was wide open, and Mullins didn't make the throw. So it's like he can't hand the ball to the receivers, right? But I think yeah. that there's certain things that Kyle Shannon can do to, and I'm not by any means saying that this is his fault, right? Like I think he's a great play caller, but he can do certain things to help his offensive line. Like one of the things that really bothered me uh, when they played the Cardinals was that they didn't really account for the fact that Kyler Murray was having a lot of quick hitting throws. Like you're talking about at that point, they were still the best defensive line in the league because they had everybody at that point, minus Buckner, you had a Kinlaw, but I, I still thought that they were probably the best before Bosa and Ford got hurt. And they were not able to get to Murray. They hit him a little bit, but they weren't able to get to him because like last year, there were a lot of quick hitting throws, a lot of things so that your offensive line only had to block for like a second or like a second and a half, less than two seconds because the ball was out of his hand. Here you have Nick Mullins. He turns around, turns his back to the defense, which is already having trouble reading. Turns his back. (laughs) Yeah. Takes a handoff comes back in the backfield, tries to set his feet, square his shoulders, and throw, but by that time, somebody's already on him. The first interception, that's exactly what happened, is that he went for a play-action fake, tried to square his shoulders, and Lynchy just got the pants beat off him. So what Kyle Shanahan and Mike (laughs) needs to do, and I'm not a head coach, but what he needs to do here, you have to be able to be like, all right, I don't care about the play-action fake. We can't run the ball anyways. If we're going to throw, we're going to throw. Enough smoke and mirrors. We're going to have to be basically – you know how the Pittsburgh game was last year against that that line? where Jimmy was just basically like it was out of his hands. Right. Like he wasn't even bothering to play action fake. That ha- that's how you have to approach the rest of the season, basically, until you can prove that you can pass well. Yeah, one of my favorite Kyle Shanahan concepts that they ran last week for Ayuk is a concept called dart. And so what this is, is instead of play action, it's, it's an RPO. It's a run pass option out of shotgun. And they have a, instead of a slant, I forget the name of the route, but it's like a quick, it's like a quicker slant. Basically, it's like a one-step slant instead of like a three-step slant. And so that gets the ball out of Mullins' hands a lot quicker and into the ball of like in, into the hands of like Debo or Ayuk or someone who can make magic after the catch. And so I was hoping to see more of that, right? Exactly what you're saying, which is get the ball out of these guys' hands quicker or like move the pocket, like use bootlegs and rollouts and like get them outside. Because if they just if they just drop back, they're like sitting ducks. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we mentioned, it's a lot harder to do on like third and nine when the defense knows you're going to throw. Right. And it's harder to like move the pocket or like, you know, play action fake and things like that. And when the defense can just like tee off on you, it gets like that much more difficult. Um, and yeah, you, you hit the head with the Mullins interception. You had nowhere to throw. I thought that was a bad play call and yeah. Shanahan admitted to it as much. He shouldn't have thrown it. He should have just ate it. But 
yeah, he had like a, a free rusher in his face and the receiver, I think it was Trent Taylor was like double covered. So, yeah. I think that the, the tough thing with calling bootlegs and things like that is that you essentially, yes, it gets you away from the rush, but at that point you, you cut the field in half. So that's a good point. Yeah. Unless you have crossers that are coming into like that half of the field. Like yeah. if you've got Debo running like, like a post corner on the opposite side of the field right. or are you granted post Like he's out of the play at that point. Right. And for the defense, like, all right, well, I'm just going to focus on they, – they can roll whatever coverage True. is away from him. True. So that's – I think, like, because I thought about that same thing too. Like, I've talked to you privately about this. Like, even in the Super Bowl, yeah. like, why did they move the pocket? Well, right. like, it's, it, it'll reduce the amount of receivers that are going to be right. – it, it cuts down the field in half, just like you said, right? And so they just – they populate more defenders in that space. And the only times the Niners get a lot of open yards off of that is if when they use play action and they – send their blockers one way and they roll the quarterback out the other way and they have someone leaking out. Right. But yeah, it, it's, it's tough. I, I, I'm no scheme expert and I can imagine Kyle probably has like a thousand ideas going in his mind about how to like attack these defenses. And he's got like a half a cupboard uh, of like dull knives right now with, with his quarterback and offensive line play. So yeah, a couple of bright spots on that. We're, we're all gloom and doom right now, but we'll talk about a couple of bright spots <laughs> on offense. Debo came back. He had, he was on a pitch count. Um, yeah, he had the, the the patented Debo reverse that we all love to see and and, yep. and see uh, him do. And uh, man, Brandon Ayuk, I, I think this guy's gonna be a star. I, I can't wait to see them both kind of get full action. And Ayuk yeah. is still running the offense, and he's not necessarily, uh, I guess, a, a focal point right now because of that. But uh, to see him and Debo on the field at the same time with Kittle and McKinnon, this is, I, I guess, what they're calling each other, the, the, yak, the yak bros. The yak bros, yeah. The teacher yeah, coming soon, right? The teacher <laughs> coming soon, 100%. I think like Warriors will, someone else will like drop it. But uh, yeah, I mean, Brandon and I, you've got a ton of hype during training camp. Uh, every person I talked to, they said he looked better than Debo did last season. And mm-hmm. you and I know Debo like didn't really get involved in the offense till like week eight, nine, till like Emmanuel Sanders arrived, right? And Brandon Ayuk's been involved from day one. Um, and especially these last few weeks with guys out, Kyle Shanahan has really been trying to force feed him. Uh, he's second among all receivers in rushing yards. So they're just trying to get him the ball anyway, get him in space. And uh, he had a rushing touchdown last week. And, and this week it was a receiving touchdown, I think, even though it was a lateral. But uh, just athleticism off the charts. Uh, I think, just like you mentioned, I think he's going to be a star. Uh, just give him some time to develop. And uh, I think they have like a top seven, eight skill group with Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, Mostert, Jordan Reed, whenever he comes back. They've got really good skill guys. Um, It's just a matter of can they get the ball to them? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the ultimate thing. Can they get healthy at the same time? One thing I did notice. So they ran 70 plays, which is, which is a lot of plays. I mean, thanks to to CJ, he also had that, that, that drive where they got a bunch of yards and, and ran a bunch of plays there and he got the touchdown. But, they ran 70 plays. The wide receivers total, uh, I'm not talking about targets here, I'm talking about touches. The wide receivers had 10 total touches. And yeah. this is after, like Dante Pettis is basically gone, right? Like he's, he's an afterthought at this point. But this is after investing two second round picks, one of which you traded up for, which was Pettis, and a first round pick, which you traded up for, which was Ayuk. And in all fairness, it's going to take time for them to do that. But I think that going forward, that's not a ratio like Kyle Shanahan wants. You don't want your your wide receivers who you have coveted and and drafted that high to be touching the ball like you know only one one seventh of the time basically right right i think kittle ended up with what 16 targets he had like one or two rushes so he was up there right in terms of touches which is what you want to see he's wide receiver one on this team no matter what they say Mm -hmm. um 
you want to force feed him. And then you got the running backs and, you know, Jarek McKinnon stepped in and he's had to step up as a starter. I don't think he's played as well as people want to say. He's had a couple of flash plays, but he's not as consistent as like Raheem Mostert. Mm. Um, I think, um, and the yards per carry kind of reflect that. And part of it has to do with the offensive line play as well. But I, I just don't think he's been as explosive as Mostert would have been these last few weeks. And they were force feeding him the ball in the first half. But I agree. I think hopefully as the season goes and they get healthier, that kind of evens out. And depending on the game, right, I think Kyle Shanahan loves to attack whatever the mismatch in the defense was. And against Philly, it was their linebackers, right? Nathan Gary was, I think, arguably the worst coverage linebacker going into the game. And Kyle Shanahan wanted to take George Kittle, put him on Gary, get him isolated in space, and just go after him. And sometimes, you know, like against the Jets, they're weak on the edges. So then you force feed your receivers on sweeps and reverses and all this stuff. So, yeah, I think it's just depending on the matchup, they've got guys at every position they like, whether it's they can run it down your throat, they can take it on the edges, they can, you know, attack you down the middle, whatever it is. So, yeah, I think it's more game plan specific than just like, okay, every game we're going to kind of do the same thing. But Yeah, I mean, that's a good point too, right? You have to attack their weaknesses and maybe right. it just didn't cause, like, because it's different. The, the Niners don't have like a Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins right. guy that you're going to you're gonna force feed the ball on the perimeter. Their they're right. guy force feed is Kittle, right? So right. You're, you're between the hashes. It's mostly yep. short over the middle stuff. You're not going deep. You're not going to the sidelines with him. He's going to do his work over the middle, which is right. why he works so well with Shanahan's offense. But I mean, like it's, it's in that way, I guess, yeah, like the 10 touches and 70, 70 plays was, was kind of misleading, but um, this is something kind of interesting. Interesting, But um, to the defense, uh, man, this group, they just keep suffering so many injuries, man, especially <laughs> in the corner position. We thought the D-line was decimated. Now the corners are decimated. So K-1 Williams is going to be out a few weeks with an ACL sprain, which, which is a, a – I didn't thing. even know that was a thing. Like, could, I didn't know you could sprain your ACL. I've heard MCL sprain and ACL yeah. tears, but never an ACL sprain. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so whenever a guy gets an ACL injury, I'm like, I'm going to hope for the ACL sprain and not yeah, the tear. Yeah. I don't know that's right. Oh. Yeah. So he got an ACL sprain. He's going to be out a few weeks. Uh, as we know, uh, Richard Sherman is not ready. Uh, he came out this week and said that he's not coming back this week. I don't think he's going to be ready anytime soon. I think that the, the Achilles may be acting up on him again. Um, and Witherspoon is back at practice. Mosley's still in concussion protocol. And now you're basically down to Jason Verrett, who's played well. Yeah, um, and uh, a bunch of other guys basically that uh, may or may not uh, play well, but like you're hoping that you can get the troops back for the, that stretch that starts next week with the Rams, and and uh, ultimately you hit, you play the Rams, Seattle, New England, and New Orleans, uh, or I think it's Green Bay, Green Bay, and then New Orleans. Yep. So that that group has just been decimated. They gave up 267 total yards uh, and 18 points. So I don't think that they and Part of those 18 points were because Mullins gave the opposing team the ball, but I don't think they're the reason why they lost. Um, I think that defense played good enough for you to win. Uh, they held Philadelphia to they, they were what four thirteen on third down, so it's not like yeah. they were bend but not break. And running quarterbacks, yes, continue to be a problem, but I think that at this point you are taking a huge hit on defense, and the offense has to step up. But I don't know what did you what did you see on the defense side of the ball. I think they're playing their butts off right now. Robert Sala is doing a hell of a job um, managing this defense with guys out, right? Everyone knows they're down Bosa, they're down Ford, they're down their their top two pass rushers. Then in the back end, they're down their uh, most experienced corner, let's say. 
And, you know, they're just playing phenomenal, I would say. They're a top 10 defense per DVOA. Their pass defense is eighth. Their rush defense is sixth. Um, and especially guys like Kevin Givens, who's an undrafted free agent, uh, looks fantastic on film. Guys like Kerry Hyder, they signed off the street in the offseason. He's getting in the backfield like every other play. He may not finish the play, um, but he's aggressive, forcing pressures, um, forcing the quarterback out of the pocket, things like that. Um, and part of it is the competition they've played. They haven't played like an offense that like really threatens you, right? They've played the Jets, Giants. Um, I thought they did a good job against Kyler uh, for about three and a half quarters there. They, they did a good job containing him. And then even with Wentz, I thought they did a particularly good job. He was able to make some plays, escape out of the pocket, which we've talked about at length, um, where they just rush up the field. They, their rush contain isn't as good, and mm. quarterbacks are able to make plays happen. But I, th- I, th- I think they've done a really good job through four weeks. And if the offense, especially the quarterbacks, have been a little bit better, this team's probably 4-0. Um, and we expected regression on the defensive side of the ball. It was bound to happen. They were historically good last season, and they lost a few pieces, and they've replaced them you know, with rookies and things like that, so they were bound to take a step back, and now with further injuries, they've somehow like held in like top 10-ish range, and now the offense has to step up, and they just haven't done that yet, and hence they're at 500. Yeah, yeah Kim Law as well. Kim Law's been really good. Um, he has. Cause that interception with the tip pass. I'll share your, and you know yeah. what is funny? I, I talked about this last week too. I really believe the, the four line linebackers, I'll show you included. This is probably the best linebacking group in the NFL. If not, are they're arguably the best, if not the best, in my opinion. So, you know, uh, they each have, they all have kind of like their, their weaknesses, like Juan Alexander pass defense. But I mean, I think that it's a pretty solid unit um, who may possibly be getting Dre Greenlaw back this week. Uh, Greenlaw, Witherspoon, Jimmy, uh, most are were all practicing in, in a limited uh, capacity, so that boons well for uh, the, the weekend, but we're, we're, we'll see about that. So, game balls, man. We all like to do game balls, so I will let you go. You are the guest host, so what, what do you say about game balls for the <laughs> They lost. Uh, yeah, that, that was tough. But I, Okay, so I'll, give, I'll go ahead and give two. I, I'm shouting at him out already, but Kevin Givens, man. This guy, uh, I love, uh, especially as interior defenders, they, the 49ers struggled to stop the run last year. Um, and it was kind of like hidden because they were such a good like pass rushing defense. So most of the people didn't re- realize that you could run the ball down that defense last year. And th- they lost Buckner. But with Kevin Givens in place, he's top 10 in uh, run stop rate, per PFS run stop rate. And as an undrafted free agent who was on the, the practice squad last year, he's come in, stepped up big time. He flashes on like every other play. He's in the backfield, pushing double teams, forcing running backs into other guys. And so if you look at the box score, he may not have the tackles or the sacks or whatever, but he's the guy that's like kind of making everything happen. He's fantastic again on, on Sunday. Uh, and Quan Alexander thought he had his best game probably since he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And he, he's been getting a ton of criticism for me included where he just looked slow. He like didn't look like him himself from what we saw la- like early last season. And he, he looked like that. He took on the challenge of Zach Ertz um, in pass coverage, looked pretty good. And he had a few plays where he missed contain, and that's kind of been his Achilles heel. But outside of that, I thought Alexander looked pretty good. Those two guys on defense especially uh, earned game balls, in my opinion. Cool. I'm, I'm glad you left you left one for me because this, this one is the obvious one. Because <laughs> if, if you picked it, I'm like, oh, man, who am I going to pick? But George Kittle, 
the, uh, solid, the best player on the team, um, the best tight end in the NFL. Another big day, uh, you know, 15 catches. He had 180 plus yards, a touchdown, and and fantastic, uh, fantastic performance for him. Coming off of the injury, coming off the knee injury, his first game back. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, did, did you think he got 183? Because we were watching that game, and I was like, ah, it's probably up to like 120, 130. Then you look up, and you're like, geez, he has 183 yards? Yeah. It didn't feel it, like it. It's like sneaky. It was like yeah. – Yeah. A lot of yeah. it was like contact and like a lot of these short throws. So it reminds me of the Atlanta game last year where they – I feel like they relied too heavily on him in that game. And uh, in this right. game, you just want to win, right? So it's not as different uh, because of the injuries. But – uh, that's the thing is that like they they when they exclusively look for Kittle, they'll be able to find him and he'll get open, which is unbelievable. Like he's that good. Yeah, uh, I thought the touchdown that the it was like a cover two defense. Shanahan isolated him. Uh, it was a beautiful pass concept. I thought, and I wish we see more of that. We see less George Kittle in the red zone. Yeah, hoping to see more of that. Hoping to see him catch more touchdowns. But yeah, yeah, easy call on that one. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, this week. We don't know who's, who the quarterback is going to be against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. It's, uh, it's another home game, uh, which is great because apparently the Dolphins want 65,000 fans in their stadium, which is ridiculous, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. And Kyle Shannon says he knows who will go if Jimmy can't go, and he's not, he's not telling anybody. I, presumably, I think Jimmy's going to give it a shot because, look. I think so, too. If you lose this game, man, I, I don't I know. Think, I, I'm pretty sure Kyle knows this is a must-win game. He's yep. no dummy. He looks at the schedule. He knows. I think ESPN had it as like the hardest remaining schedule. It is a must-win game. They got to be what three and two heading into that Rams game. Then if they take care of business, okay. Then suddenly like things shift. You got momentum. He knows he has to have Jimmy Garoppolo. We saw a little clip of him that the team put out. It looked okay. I mean, you can't. You couldn't tell anything. It was like he he what? It was like a play action fake, and then he threw the ball. But um, yeah, I think they're going to do everything in their their power to get Garoppolo back. Um, I found it interesting that like he has a high ankle sprain, but he stands on the sideline. Like, do you notice that? Yeah, I saw that. And, and uh, one of our uh, our favorite Twitter followers, like you know, Niner Girl, she was talking yeah. about. Uh, so Stacey was talking about like, oh, like why is that? She put the question out there, and somebody answered like, well, people who have had a lot of ankle sprains said, well, it's not it's not standing that the hurts, it's lateral movement that the hurts. Mm-hmm. Is so, okay, he wasn't in a boot or anything, which is yeah. great. Really he wasn't even in a boot when he left like New York, like the the week that it got hurt. Yeah. So I originally thought like, okay, maybe they're just like not playing him because the teams are bad. Yeah. And then yeah, you lose one of those games, and all of a sudden like the it the mood shifts in the building. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you, Jimmy, like if, even if he's like fifty seventy five percent, I'm rolling him out there. You yeah. can't take any chances. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, basically, Miami. They you, we mentioned before this this podcast that. They move the ball well between the 20s. They just can't put points on the board. So yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick gets the start. Foolishly, I think, because Tua probably should have got the start because he's a running quarterback and the Niners would have struggled with him. But I think that Miami wants to do it. But Fitzpatrick has been moving that offense well enough. And you don't want to – you want to be able to uh, get as much time for your rookie quarterback to learn on the sidelines and, and not destroy his confidence, which uh, is, a, is a big thing for quarterbacks. So – uh, I think what they're going to do is you're basically going to see a survival sort of game by Kyle Shanahan. It's, it's not like ideally this would have been like a tune-up for the, the gauntlets ahead, but yeah. right now it's survival. So you're going to see him probably pull out some more tricks than you've, than you've seen than you've seen him in the past. More Debo reverses, more plays to get Ayuk the ball, more end-arounds to Kittle, 
Um, you may see a, a couple of rollouts or two from Jimmy if he's well enough to do it, but if he, if he does play, but I think that right now, like you just have to survive. And the problem is, is that their defense is so decimated. The way that you, you offset that is you keep the ball on offense. Like you keep their defense off the field. Don't give them a chance right. to get tired and, right. and injured. And they're not able to do that because they, they can't run the ball. So you're probably going to see Kyle try to stick to the run. I would love to see a lot of checkdowns in the running backs to kind of act like short, short runs, but we'll, we'll see about that. And I think that, you know, if we were to get predictions for game predictions, I would have to say the Niners win. I hope it's not close. I think it's going to be one of those like 23 to 10 games. Um, and, and we're not necessarily going to be, because we know what happens with, with inferior teams, the Eagles and, and the Cardinals. We'll, we won't be comfortable with it, but it'll be good enough. Jimmy will get a nice tune-up. I don't know if he's going to play the entire game. I don't know if he's going to play at all as of the recording of the show, but uh, I think Jimmy comes back, they win, and and they write the ship a little bit. Yeah, so so Vegas right now, actually the line isn't even on, the, like it's not on the board yet because the starting quarterback isn't announced, but they had it had opened at like Niners favored by like eight points, and mm-hmm. I was shocked. I was like, okay, if they're favored by eight points, maybe Vegas thinks like Jimmy's coming back or they know Jimmy's coming back somehow. Um, because Vegas just seems to know all these things. Mm-hmm. So originally I was like, okay, if Jimmy comes back, this team hasn't lost two in a row in like two years, I think. Like they didn't lose two in a row at all last season. It, we'd have to be, go back to like sometime in 2018 with Mullins. Um, and it's a veteran group. It's a group that's tested. They're prideful. They uh, kind of got embarrassed on national TV, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with the way the offense played, I can't see Kyle Shanahan losing to a Dolphins team led by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, I, I just can't see it. They know what's at stake with the gauntlet coming up. My head says that it's going to be close, like a 24-16, 24-17 type game. My heart says they're going to come out and, like, pound the crap out of the Dolphins, and it's, like, not going to be close. Like, it's going to be a, an annihilation, which you'd think just given the disparity between the two teams. But, yeah, I, I think Jimmy's going to play. Uh, I don't think you see Mostert or some of the other guys that are injured. Um, and I think that'll be enough to get it done. Get them the three and two. Then you worry about the Rams, who will have like uh, an easy game as well. And they'll be at four and one. And a four and one Rams, three and two Niners, two weeks Sunday night football is going to be fantastic. So just got to take care of this one. Anyway, anyhow, it doesn't matter what the score is, just win. Yeah. I think after that, uh, the first Cardinals game that they dropped, um, I was thinking that, well, if you go into the Rams week four and one, you're you're in good shape. So they're, if they win this week, they're really just a game behind what I thought they would be at. Right. Which is catastrophic. But given the fact that Seattle continues to win and they continue to win close games that are like coin flip games, which is ridiculous. Yeah. The Niners, I, I put out a stat this week, the Niners are five and five in their last one, one score, 10 one score games yeah. right? from last year to this year. Seattle has had uh, 17, one, 17 one score games over the past two seasons. Uh, and well, I guess one plus season, they are 14 and three in those yeah, games. Yeah, it's insane. It's, 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 yeah, the way they execute down the stretch, like you just expect them to win, yeah. even if you're like rooting against them. They just like come through, they find a way, and it doesn't matter. Even if Russell Wilson isn't on the field, and if it's like their defense has to get a stop, they like somehow, some way get a stop. It's, somehow, yeah. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Usually, those like the law of averages, like it like does not apply to the Seahawks somehow. Yeah, uh, it's new stuff. <laughs> I think the Niners beat every win they can get. Um, I agree. Also, um, I don't ever want to hear anybody talk about starting Nick Mullins over Jimmy again, like on a permanent basis. I don't ever want to hear that discussion again at this point because 
look, I know, I know it's not fair to Mullins because it was it's a limited sample size and things like that. But you also have to go behind uh, who wins and who. And Jimmy makes a lot of the same mistakes too. When the offensive line is bad for him too. But uh, as David Lombardi pointed out, they were not that good last year at pass blocking either. And his quick release kind of offset the the lack of pass protection. So I'm hoping hoping with bated breath that he can start. And if you don't see Jimmy, I think you'll see, you'll see CJ get the start and basically try to lead them to a victory somehow. But man, they, yeah. they need one. They need a bad. Yeah. I, yeah, the, the Jimmy Nick Mullins thing, I like never really got into it just cause it's like, I don't know what you're arguing. Like anyone with who watches the sport knows that like Garoppolo is a better quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things that picked up on among, you know, 49ers Twitter. And then like, all over my timeline on Sunday night, it was like everyone was taking victory laps that like Jimmy deserved to be the quarterback. And it's like, that was never the comp, right? The comp was always, can Jimmy hang with like the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the league? Like that's what you compare him to. Like the bar isn't that low that if Mullins plays poorly, that is like some indictment of how Garoppolo is viewed. Like, yeah, it's not it. Like we, we know that Garoppolo should be the starting quarterback of this team. It's a matter of like, is he good enough to be, you know, a top 10 type guy? and lead them to a Super Bowl, right? That That's ultimately all that matters. And that yet is to, still to be unanswered, in my opinion, um, especially after his week one performance. So it may seem to, like, some, especially me, where, like, I'd crush his week one performance and then I'd hype up Mullins. But it's, like, one of those things where you have higher expectations for your starting quarterback, right? who's, like, a second-round pick, who's had all the reps. And you have lower expectations for an undrafted free agent who's just playing for a backup spot. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, if he you know plays better against the worst team, you're going to hype that up. It, it's just what it is. It doesn't mean that he deserves to play or anything. So yeah, I think that's officially to rest to bed after Sunday. Won't ever hear that. Yeah. Um, I also think between the two backups, it's like shuffling the deck chairs. Like on let's say Titanic, <laughs> um, doesn't really matter. Like just roll the dice, right? I don't think either one of them is like significantly better than the other. Depending mm-hmm. on the day, depending on their mood, like either one could be better. So. Yeah, yeah. I, Kyle will have a tight leash if Jimmy doesn't play with either one of those. Like if Beathard comes out, throws a pick, he's yanked. Mullins comes out, he plays bad, he's yanked. So it's like doesn't really matter. Yeah, they're just kind of keeping the seat warm. Awesome, man. So, um, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter? Right on, man. So you can find me at Twitter at Akash Anav, A K A S H A N A V. That's where we drop all the content. And uh, number and uh, slash LeBron stand number one. <laughs> like, <laughs> number number one is high. Number one's high. It's like gotten. It's probably gotten lower since like he's gone to the Lakers. I'd say it was yeah. more of a thing probably when he was in Cleveland or in Miami. But because uh, I I just grew up hating like the LA sports teams. Oh yeah. So it's like been harder to like root for a guy that I rooted for in like an LA team. But <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, I think they're gonna win. So good for him. I Anger think so. for me. Uh, at this point, like they're gonna, they're gonna win that. I call it the Mickey Mouse Trophy because they're handing it out at, as Disney World, right? So that's fair. <laughs> um, oh, Mickey Mouse Trophy, whatever you want to call it. Um, but uh, for Kobe, right? I think that this year it's interesting because this year, like uh, my passion for sports is, I would say, is not as high because of the the circumstances, and also my dislike for certain players and teams is also not as high because of that mm-hmm. same thing. I'm just like riding more even keel than I had before. So, I mean, this, it's inevitable. He's going to win. But, um, and, and the comparisons will start and all this stuff will start again. But to me, it's like, okay, well, it's more about Kobe at this point. Because when Kobe died, and I'm a Kobe guy, right? So when Kobe died in, in the, at the beginning of this year in February, or I think, yeah, last week in January, yeah. forever ago, it seems like, I was like, man, I really hope the Lakers win because it would be such a nice story you win for Kobe. 
Um, but, and I think they will, and it'll be a really, really great, like, you know, 20 years down the line, we're like, wow, when one of the greatest Lakers of all time, if not the greatest Laker of all time died that same year, the Lakers won the championship and it's going to be such a cool, thing it's to be a cool moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was like after the night LeBron passed them on like the all time scoring list and, yep. uh, you know, they're, they've got like the Mamba jerseys on. I just, I just think it's an all around cool sports moment. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's it, the bubble is like totally weird. It's it's uh, non-comparable to you know real basketball just because there's no fans, there's no crowd, there's no traveling, none of that. So it's different. But it's 2020. It's on par for course. So um yeah, just glad to have sports back and glad to have football back and hope they finish out the season uh, without interruptions. Yeah, I hope so too. All these, these uh, positive tests, but uh, <laughs> we'll see, man. But yeah, thanks, man. So I know, I know it was short notice. You you came in and you filled this. This is how a backup should perform. I don't think, no, I don't consider you a backup. This is how <laughs> person filling in. I'm Nick Mullins to Al's Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I would no, I would I would put you above Nick Mullins. It's, uh, you you did a fantastic. Right, right. I'm more I'm more like Nick Foles uh, to to Al's Carson Wentz. All right, we'll do that. <laughs> we'll do that. Exactly. So we don't we don't wish any ACL tear for Al or anything like that. He's just <laughs> uh, but yeah. Thanks again for joining, man. Really appreciate you coming on. So for uh, Akash and Abaratan, I am Zayn Nakvi. For the missing Al Sacco, will hopefully be back with us next week. Or not. Maybe maybe Akash just took his job, right? We don't know. So. <laughs> I heard I just got a free agent contract with Jacksonville. So Oh, exactly. Uh, Peace yeah. out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of the 49ers Web Zone Know How Podcast. See you later.